State of Nevada from Nevada Public Radio. I'm Joe Shaneman. And we played that song because we're going to be talking about working out. Uh, you know, when you hear somebody say they're going to work out, you probably imagine weights or a treadmill. In Las Vegas, that has become less and less the truth. Yes, people still lift weights or spend hours on treadmills, but there is such a demand for gyms by so many different walks of life that gyms have changed. They now specialize in order to draw out those who don't do a traditional gym. We're talking yoga, Pilates, trapeze, tightrope, pole dancing. There's working out in extreme heat or bike-specific gyms. There's cross-training, MMA, boxing. It just goes on and on. It wasn't always this way. In Las Vegas, in 2017, U.S. News & World Report ranked Nevada the 30th healthiest in the country. Today, as you're going to hear, we're considered the workout capital of the country. About one out of every five people has a gym membership in this country, about 66 million Americans. So we're going to be talking about that. Why has there been this big change? Is it that people are trying to stave off age? Did the pandemic have something to do with it? You know, people going to the gym just to see others or to socialize after the isolation of the pandemic. Earlier this month, pole dance instructor Jen Avison smith wrote a piece for KMPR's magazine Desert Companion headlined, Just Woo It. It explores alternative exercise classes around the valley. Jen, welcome to State of Nevada. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. So uh, first, uh, tell us a little bit about what led you to become a fitness pole dance instructor and how you got interested in, in I guess, non-traditional working out. Well, for a long time, I was a volleyball player. I went to Junior Olympics back in the day. Um, and when college rolled around, it was either get shoulder surgery or stop. And I was kind of out of you know out of the game and I was looking for something new to do so I taught Zumba which was its own fun adventure but um, after all that a friend of mine got a pole in her living room just kind of like a take-home pole he set it up you know like adhere it to the ceiling a little bit and I had the best time making the biggest fool of myself just learning how to do all these different moves and things so um, I thought you know this is a really amazing avenue for working out. I'm having more fun than I've had doing anything else. So it just kept going from there. And I eventually got my certification in Vegas and uh, have been teaching classes and taking classes all over the world. It's been an amazing adventure. Wow. I, I want to get a little bit more, too, into the article that you wrote for Desert Companion Magazine. But pole dancing you know, came to Vegas years ago, mm -hmm. came around the country. And when it first came out, you know, I guess I could say it was sort of scandalous. People thought, oh, my gosh, what are we teaching ourselves and our, and our kids? Right. But just briefly, now it's, I think it's really accepted. Uh, people hear it and they don't even blink an eye. But talk about the, the physical effort that it takes to do pole dancing. Like, how, how is it a good workout? Well, you're using muscles you never thought you had, first of <laughs> all. It's a full body workout. There are so many varieties and styles to pole dancing, whether it's something that you'll see maybe in a more traditional club setting, which we have a lot of here. Or maybe it's something that has a little bit more physicality, like just doing pure tricks, pure strength, pure different like methods of just executing these combinations of moves. So uh, you are definitely getting a workout. Your skin gets a workout, absolutely, because you need to have some sort of contact and you need to use different muscles to grip the pole. You, If you let go with a hand and grip with a leg, you're using those leg muscles. So it's a constant push and pull and balance of using your entire body to create mm. something so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think men ever do it? Oh, so many men do it. Oh, absolutely. Half my teachers are 
are actually male instructors. Wow. Yeah. So 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 it, it fits across that realm between women and men. It's fully established. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. It was established a long time ago. Yeah. Now you wrote in that Desert Companion magazine this. If you find the gym squat rack more pain than the gain is worth, explore <laughs> these ten fitness forms that free you from conventional exercise with creative movement and a touch of adrenaline. Creative movement. What what do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot, I mean, not to knock any sort of traditional. Sure. Yeah. Because and the, we do have we do. You know, somebody sitting right next to you. Uh, we're going to get into what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but go ahead. Oh, there's well, there's absolutely a lot of appeal because there are results you can work towards. It's very structured and some people, people love that. But with more creative based art, there's room to sort of be messy, explore. You can use different songs you can create different choreographies there it's almost like painting you can take so many different like combinations of things and put your own style on them and it's almost like it's almost creative expression in addition to being physical mm-hmm. there are a lot of articles have been written about the intimidation some women might feel when they go to a tra- traditional gym uh, last year for instance there was a survey by women's running magazine that found only 24 percent of women in the united states felt comfortable in a traditional gym 76% felt uncomfortable when exercising in public spaces. Men, men could feel that too. Um, when, when you're on a piece of machinery and somebody um, is squatting hundreds of pounds, like uh, the man sitting next to you, and, and <laughs> then you look at your own measly 25 pounds of weight, you know, that could be like, you might just walk away from that machinery for a while or wait for that person to, you know, get out of your sight because it, it you know, it could be intimidating. But, but I wonder what, what it's like for women. To enter, yeah, to, to enter that traditional, yeah, what, the intimidation factor. How does that come up? I mean, to be fair, it's been a while since I've been in a traditional gym. I actually go to Open Gym Fitness, which is over on Cheyenne, and it's a, kind of like a little bit of a garage setting. Have you? Yeah, it's a it's a good spot. I really like it. It's definitely because there's always going to be someone that's maybe different or more than you. There might be someone that's younger, or in better shape, whatever it is. So. It's just when it's surround, you're surrounded by it, it's kind of at the forefront of your experience and maybe it's not as comfortable. But the, the nice thing about being in a, an alternative setting, especially if you do it and you're not a competitor or you're not a performer and you do it just for fun or for recreational like fitness, there are people that are in the exact same boat as you and they're going to have they're going to mess up the same way. They're going to have the same triumphs. You can celebrate them together. I found more of that in doing alternative fitness than I have traditional. And that's not to say it's not in like a CrossFit gym or like an LVAC setting. It's definitely there. It absolutely is. But it's a little bit more, it's a little bit louder and it's a little bit more, uh, you know, colorful. (laughs) Actually, I want to ask uh, David Ziegler about that. He is a bodybuilding coach. He with uh, Ziggler Monster Fitness. He has a million followers on TikTok, hundred thousand on Instagram. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more uh, with you after when we get to the calls. But you, you know, you're uh, you're basically at the top, I think, sort of of the the workout genre in Las Vegas. That's very flattering. Thank I, you. But I, I wonder, uh, you know, if you want women. To, to come to classes, you want women to be working out. How do you, what do you do to make them feel comfortable in this realm? In the bodybuilding community, we offer quite a lot 
for women. We have different classes. So almost any level of development you have or almost any level of seriousness that you have, there's a place for you if you want to compete and you want to have camaraderie among other fitness competitors. So when when women come to a gym where they see uh, a lot of men working out, is there is there anything that you can do to make them feel at ease? To be honest, I can't relate. I'm not sure what a female goes through when she goes to the gym because I don't experience what she experiences. I can see some of the things that she goes through, and I don't think it's the best. I can see her exercising and the eyes look at her and stuff from time to time. So personally, what I do is I try to keep to myself. I try to look at the ground. I try to keep my eyes on my workout. I try not to look around. And that goes for the gentleman as well. I don't want to intimidate anybody. I don't want anyone to think I'm judging them for any reason, whether it's the workout, their clothes. So that is my approach is if you approach me, I'll be incredibly nice to you. I would love to talk to you. I'm very happy to have you in there. But if I'm in there at the same time you're in there, the last thing I want to do is to give you any reason to feel like you shouldn't be in there. And since we're both taking time privately to do our exercises, looking at you is one of the few things that I can control. Yeah. So I try to not do that. And for people who don't know uh, David Ziegler, the guy is massive. Uh, you know, but, but looking at you now, you know, I, I think I could take you in, uh, in arm wrestling. <laughs> I think you probably could too. Yeah, so so after this, we're going to do an arm wrestling match here, and we'll, we'll put a video of that on our website, kmpr.org. So so just so you see uh, the mountain versus the man. Well, I, I can see the shoulders on you, and I heard there's some CrossFit in your past, so I'm yeah, yeah. not going right. to underestimate oh, yeah. you. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to do that. Dan from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Thank you. Go ahead, Dan. You have an interesting story. Well, I, um, I'm 72, and I do 12 dance classes a week and it nice. ranges from wow. four hip hop classes to uh, a traditional jazz class to tap class to um, LVAC offers uh, dance commit. And so it's all very good for me because, well, after two hip surgeries and working on the strip for many years, um, I'm still at it. So wow. I danced, started dancing when I was a little boy and <laughs> I just I just feel great, you know, because I'll also four times a year do a 60-mile bike trip from my downtown home up to Red Rock and down to Blue Diamond and back. And it's just, it feels great because I'm I'm in my own atmosphere. So it's, it's just been a lot of fun because it's also a learning thing. Mm -hmm. So that when you work your body, especially in a dance class, <clears throat> You're working your musical abilities to be able to count music and to uh, pick up the choreography so that you can just blast it out. Hey, this is David uh, here. I, um, if you don't mind me interrupting, I'm just really curious, when did you start this? When did you start dancing? Was it something you began in your later years or have you always been dancing? I started when I was eight years old. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when I started working on the strip, uh, they hand you a G-string and say, go on stage. <laughs> okay. So, the, you know, it was just a lot of interesting time frame uh, during that uh, showgirl era that uh, that I became very accustomed to. Sure. But it was just a lot of fun because yeah. it, uh, uh, it keeps my heart going. And because I've had hip surgery, heart surgery, and all that, all that, all that other stuff that goes along with age, um, you uh, you appreciate 
just being able to get that, get out and do it. That is awesome. Dan, thank you so much for that call. Talking about, well, I'm calling it a fitness craze in Las Vegas. A little bit later, we're going to talk about why some people believe this is really the fitness capital of the United States. Um, but why do you work out and, and what do you do? Um, joining us now is Lawrence from Summerlin. Welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Uh, I may just add to the two lovely guests that you have on that if one just takes a real wide view of fitness like the car industry, you begin to realize that people want a different kind of approach to, to a vehicle and they want a different approach to their fitness. I began my study of fitness in 1954 and uh, I've been training ever since. I was one of the original joggers of Los Angeles on Salmon City Boulevard. I live in Summerlin. I teach martial arts. I work with uh, uh, the anger management people. Hmm. And I've been able to approach my interest as either a workout, which would be, be more on what David's doing, bodybuilding. I studied under Dave Draper and Joe Gold. I, was, I cut Joe cool. Gold's lawn in Venice Beach, and he trained me. But I was a vegetarian, so he said, you'll never get mass, but you'll get strong. And then the lovely lady who does the pole dancing, that's more of a work in, <laughs> using the isometric, isotonic approach. So you have different different approaches, different goals. If you're going to be a, a middle linebacker, you're going to train one way. Right now, you're going to start noticing that Tai Chi will be a big, big interest for football players who want to learn how to touch and go instead of hammering each other. Hmm. And probably you could beat David. Yeah, if you could be David, and you probably could <laughs> if you could, because mass doesn't necessarily mean strength, and David knows that. That's mass true. has to do with other things. It helps, but strength can come from a 140-pound, very wiry, powerful person. So I'm thrilled you have the show on, and these are two fantastic people, and it's about time Las Vegas is now the entertainment capital, sports capital, fitness capital, and I'm thrilled to live in Summerlin. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Lawrence, that was awesome. I, I want to get to that. Before we go to a break, David, uh, you, you mentioned that, well, I was talking about how, how did this happen in Las Vegas? When I moved here 25 years ago, there was LVAC, which is still a great gym. There was Gold's Gym, but I didn't know anything else. Now there are storefronts. There are storefronts with small workouts specific specifically for certain types of workouts all over the place sure and you, you we had talked about why this happened here and you mentioned to me that you think this is the capital of of working out in gyms in the country how come for bodybuilding for bodybuilding for build for body, yeah so in the 60s and the 70s a lot of our guys were out in venice beach california and Venice was awesome because it was a place for artists for drifters for people trying to find themselves people kind of lost which bodybuilding kind of fits in perfectly. It's a taboo thing in the public. They see it. They don't quite understand it. They can see the physiques. And that can draw a lot of speculation and assumptions. And maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But it is just something taboo. Mm -hmm. So Venice, California was a beacon for everybody because that had Gold's Gym. So it had the best athletes. It had the best equipment. It was the place to go to learn, to have access. Well, after a decade or so, as popularity grew and real estate changed and people, normal people, started to come more and more to the scene, we were kind of priced out. We were priced out 
well before the public knew we were priced out. So a lot of us went to Las Vegas because Las Vegas was three and a half, four hours away, give or take. We could still commute to come into Las Vegas to train once or twice or three times a week at Venice Beach, still be part of the scene. All the photo shoots were out there, but we were living four hours away. Instead of paying 1500 bucks, we were paying 400 bucks and just driving in. Over the years, we really, really started to collect a lot of top athletes. And those top athletes wanted top gyms. They built top gyms. Now the Olympia which unfortunately next year it will be in Orlando, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. For me, I live here. I'd like it to be here. Mm -hmm. But the Olympia became a staple here for more than a decade, and that just drew everyone in. We had the athletes. We had the gyms. We had the big shows. We had the weather. Everything was 24 hours. Just a fantastic place to bodybuild. Really interesting. Again, we are talking fitness, different types of exercise classes in Las Vegas, and maybe you've tried an alternative fitness class like trapeze, pole dancing, trampoline, parkour, rock climbing, or maybe you're a diehard gym fan and you think that lifting weights and running on the treadmill really give you the results. Mike in Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Um, I have a bit of experience with some of the gyms around town. Mostly I've tried out some of the big ones. The main problem I ran into was lack of maintaining their equipment. I've worked for Cirque du Soleil for 18 years in rigging, dealing with hardware to hang people in the mm-hmm. air and safety was always, always my focus. And some of the equipment I've seen is ready to fall apart and someone could get seriously injured. We've got places like trapeze, Las Vegas, Las Vegas circuit center. They're top notch. They are focused on safety for all their people, but some of the smaller places that are getting into acrobatic aerial stuff gets really sketchy. And some of the really big gyms, lose focus on maintaining their equipment and safety. Yeah. Well, I, I belong to a gym and, and I've seen seen that myself. Uh, thank you so much for that call, Mike. And uh, you mentioned the Las Vegas Circus Center. And with us now is Michelle Hunt, who is the co-founder of the Circus Center. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having us. It's great to have you. So, uh, first of all, let, let's just talk about that because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. If you have to do more specialized training with the people who work there and how much more um, do you have to, to be concerned about safety with some of the things that people are able to do to exercise there? Yeah, safety here is our number one priority. Um, we have weekly, daily, monthly, and annual inspections that we do on all of our equipment to make sure everything's safe and properly inspected. If anything needs to be replaced, we do that. Um, all of our coaches are professional performers or former pre- professional performers top in their fields, so they have a lot of experience with um, what they're working on. So that is what we try to focus on is um, vetting our coaches, making sure that they're they're very skilled in what they do and that safety is our number one priority. I know somebody who has gone to the Circus Center and he's talked about the tight wire partner acrobatics, the I think it's the sear wheel, which is this like metal hoop you can spin around in. I think there are 15 or more classes as well. What, what classes are popular for somebody who's just coming to the Circus Center? Someone who's never been here before, um, if they're not sure where to start, we have a great class that meets on Saturdays 
it's called our circus experience class, which is kind of an introduction if you're not sure where to start. Mm -hmm. um, it's for all levels. We have kids that take that all the way up to adults that take it as well. And it's kind of an intro. There's, it's a 90-minute program. There's three mini classes, which kind of introduces them to things that we offer with our most popular classes. So it usually has an aerial class, a trampoline class, and a little mini introduction to our flying trapeze program. So from there, they kind of get a general idea of what is available, and then they can explore um, some of our other classes that we have available. Yeah, we were talking earlier about the intimidation that some people can feel going to a gym. I'm used to a traditional gym, seeing, seeing the weights, the treadmills, but I think going to the circus center, I'd be, uh, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd feel intimidated. And, and is it that Saturday class that you help that helps people get over that? Or, or what do you do? That Saturday class is a great help. If you're not sure where to start and you're kind of scared, um, walking into our facility, it's large. Um, it's, a, it's got a very warm, family-friendly, inviting atmosphere to it, but you're also training right next to professional performers, um, always willing to change, to help people see, to, we're trying to get beginners to come out and mm -hmm. be inspired by what they see, where they can go if that's what they want, or if they're just here for some fitness and trying to just get in shape and have a recreational aspect. So we see both, we see both, we see people eight years old who just saw a Cirque du Soleil show <laughs> and they want to be on that stage and they're starting from the beginning and working their way up. We see um, we have some retired, older seniors that come in three or four days a week and do flying trapeze just to stay in shape and have a good time and meet their goals. So we see a huge range of different people. Do older people come in and actually do flying trapeze or do they just swing or do they swing and jump to another one? Oh, no, they do flying trapeze. Oh, my um, God. One of our regulars, um, he's in his 70s. He does flying trapeze three, what? four days a week. He goes to catch. His goal is to catch a triple before he turns, <laughs> I believe, at 75. It's Holy very impressive. Cow. So uh, uh, Vegas has all these performers from Cirque du Soleil, um, non-Cirque du Soleil shows. Is that is that basically how this started? Because those people kind of, wanted to, to go to a place like this? It's kind of how we started. We um, we kind of stumbled into it when our children got really into it during the summer camp one one year. Um, we have a lot of friends that are performers. Um, we have coaches that are performers. And they needed a space that had everything available for them to meet the specs that they needed to be able to train when they're not in show or they're on their darks so they can stay in shape. And from that, we were able to create something for them, but also to have them there training and inspire people that just want to come and get in shape and try something new for their fitness level. Okay. Um, and I'm going to get back to you in a minute, but I, I want to put this out there. We're talking a, a really about this, this growth in the desire for people in the Las Vegas area to exercise. You will see not just a Las Vegas athletic club anymore, but you see all kinds of storefronts with, um, hot yoga, uh, orange theory, the list goes on and on and on. And we're kind of getting into, uh, why, what's behind that? What has caused this, uh, desire for people to get in shape? Is it just people trying to stave off, you know, stave off age? The, the population here is getting older or what is it? And, and what do you do? And Frank, and I believe it's Frank Slaughter from Las Vegas. Uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed the, um, the conversation this morning and like to congratulate the people from um, bodybuilding to working out on the poles because any form of exercise is, is good for the, for, for the soul, for the health of the people, especially as healthcare costs have gone up. If you just get out there and you're just walking every day. One of the things I've done for the last couple of years, I was a assistant uh, UNLV boxing coach for over 10 years. 
And again, I, everything I've always done was for, for free. I never charged anybody. And one of the things I started doing when, when I left UNLV was seeing kids on the street that, you know, wanted to uh, go to the military. I've got four or five kids in the military right now, one in the, one in the Navy Academy that their parents came to me and they wanted to get in shape. So I put them through the basic, what I think the basic training would look like. Since I've been in two branches of the service, I was a Marine and also Air Force. I went to two basic trainings. Plus, I was a college athlete for a couple of years as a, as a running back at Fayetteville State and went into amateur boxing. But the main thing is for any trainer is to really listen to what your people are asking. What do they want to do? Are their goals realistic? For instance, I um, was asked by former uh, principal at uh, Green Valley, Jeff Horn, to come out to the mission school and, and help the kids with boxing. As soon as I stepped on the campus, I, I, I let the, the principal know and said, you really don't want boxing here, but what you want is, is a fitness program, which they didn't have. They were doing it online. I said, that's not realistic. Uh, Mission School is a, is a school for kids that are suffering from addictions, and they, they come there voluntarily because they want to improve their lives. So we were able to put a fitness program together for them and build a fitness room. I went to some of the people from the USC and they helped me design a room and also talk about the equipment. And we set it up there, and the kids get a half a credit semester. They need two credits, full credits in, in physical fitness to graduate. And so that was, that's was that been my, my main quest. And my last thing is I help folks with Parkinson's disease uh, once a week. And, and it's called Rock Steady Boxing. They come in there, and they, they hit the bags, and, and they hit the mitts, and they get in shape. But there's also a social aspect of people with the same disease, sitting together, talking about the disease, and trying to stave off the, the, the effects of the, the disease as long as they can. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different. Uh, Frank, thank you for that call. Uh, really interesting. A lot of, you know, varied and different benefits from from exercise, whatever form, whatever form you take. And again, we are talking about that because there's been I I, I think it's an explosion in the number of people in the Las Vegas area who are now working out. Uh, but I, I do wonder why that is. And uh, Michelle Hunt, I wanted to get back to you on that. Uh, obviously, the market is here for all these different uh, forms of exercise. But why do you think people in general are seeking out these different forms of exercise? Or or I wonder if more people, why do you think more people are wanting to exercise? I think we see a lot of people, um, we definitely see an uptick in January when people are trying to look at those new resolutions. But I think people, they want to come in and try something different. They see something, they're like, hey, I want to try that out. They want to um, get a workout, build, get stronger, maybe get more flexible um, in a setting that they don't feel like they're necessarily working out, where they're having a good time, they're meeting friends, people that are kind of similar to them, but they're not in a specific training gym and sure. they feel... So I think that's kind of where what we're, see, we're seeing people like, you know what? We also get a lot of people, adults, like, I want to tumble. I, I tumble. I did a cartwheel when I was five years old, <laughs> and now I'm 40, and I want to try it again. And so we get a lot of people like that, and we're like, sure, come on in. There's not a lot of gyms that take adult tumblers um, and have a lot of adult classes. There's plenty for kids, but there's not a lot that um, have adults available as well. So Ooh. we see a lot of that as well. Really interesting. Um, and a lot of times when people work out and they haven't done it, uh, you know, maybe since they were five and now they're in their 40s or their 50s, Injury can result. Randy Harris is an athletic trainer who helps people 
do what they want to do in exercise the right way because you really can hurt yourself working out. He also hosts the AT Corner podcast. Randy Harris, welcome to State of Nevada. Thank you so much. Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I wonder, as an athletic trainer, you help people with fitness, recover from injuries. What are some of the most common injuries you see these days from people working out? Any one of those type of uh, injuries from working out is always going to be an overuse injury. Those are going to be the most common ones. And a lot of times that's just one of those cases of too much too soon. Like what? Give me one. Uh, there could be countless. Uh, jumper's knee, right? Patellar tendinopathy, uh, Achilles tendinopathy, um, shin pain. So like shin splints, plantar fasciitis, any one of those um, overuse injuries for sure. God, I've had a lot of those. In fact, I had I had a torn meniscus, both knees. Is that very common? Because I remember when I went to the uh, therapy or the place that fixed it, they said they get dozens each week. It usually depends on the type of activity that's going on, but for sure, you can definitely see uh, meniscal pain, uh, knee injuries. A lot of times, stuff like that's going to be more acute, something a little more traumatic than an overuse injury, but absolutely. There's also this this maxim that we've heard for years. Some people have discounted it, but I, you know, once it's in your head, it's hard to discount, and that is um, no pain, no gain. Um, I, you know, I, I can't help but think that's accurate. But what do you think about that? So that I get the message that's supposed to be the idea behind no pain, no gain. But essentially, how pain is, it's a good signal for your body letting you know hey, like something's wrong. This is a problem. You need to stop. So really what you should be striving for is something that's a challenge to the body. There's nothing wrong with being sore. Soreness is a kind of a good thing. It's how your body adapts. Mm. But if there's definitely pain, hey, you should either stop that activity and kind of adjust it or maybe move on to a different activity and then work on what might be causing that pain. You know, when I went to a gym years ago, they didn't emphasize stretching before Working out, they emphasized it more after working out, saying that your body's warm then. Is that is that accurate? Or should you work out, should you stretch a lot before you ever work out? So you kind of split hairs on that one. Um, it kind of depends on the stretching you're trying to achieve. Um, static stretching before exercise isn't really supported anymore. Um, it can really affect how much force and uh strength that your muscles can actually produce. Hmm. Um, but you should still get a warm up in. So like a dynamic stretching, something that's more active, something that you're going using movement to get to your end and end range of motions are great. And then a static stretching after your exercise or, um, activity is perfect. I want to ask that question to David Ziegler, like before you lift weights, should you be stretching a lot? So what he said, I actually agree with 100%. Um, I make sure that my body is tremendously ready for the lift, but it's not so much with static stretching. Like you said, I'm not sitting there trying to touch my toes. I'm not having my hamstring pulled out. What I'm doing is more exactly like you said, I'm being very active. I might be like swinging my arms in a very natural form. I'm not overdoing anything. I'm just trying to have blood, fluid, warmth, everything built up in the body. So almost like you know when you start working out and you get 20 minutes in or so and you start to feel really good? Mm-hmm. I try to start the workout with that feeling, with the static stretching and the warm-up beforehand. So I agree 100%. What, what about afterward? Oh, afterward? Sometimes I do a cool-down on the treadmill, but I really don't do a whole lot afterwards. 
No. Well, that's really interesting. Actually helpful to me as well. And, and Jen Evson smith Yeah, I third all of that. Usually with an average dance class, there's anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of active stretching and usually some kind of flow to get the blood moving and to get the But you're not up. like stretching to, to grab the bottoms of your feet and, you know, pull your head into your knees or anything like that. There's a little bit of that, but it's, it's in tandem with other things. So we'll be flowing into it and then we'll... I, target another part of the body in motion to so it's not so stiff and it's not we're not getting colder while we're trying to get warm okay that sounds perfect Mm -hmm. yeah yeah everything i want to do is my body's normal natural movements and i'm just going to try to make sure that they can all do them comfortably and happily before i ask them to put external stress on there i'm really learning something here donna from las vegas welcome to the program well thank you I'd like to remind everyone how valuable aqua exercise can be. It certainly changed my mm-hmm. life, and you don't have to do anything super aggressive. You don't have to be athletic. You start where you are and build from there. I see it every day at the gym, but how did it change your life? Well, when I started, I was wearing a brace on one knee. I was in my late 50s, very unfit. Today, I'm at 66. I've lost over 70 pounds. I haven't worn a brace for years. My balance is better. My core strength is better. I'm very happy with my results. And I just think people who are unfit could start with Aqua and see where it takes them. Why was it that you, I mean, you you had the knee brace, but why was it you started exercising? Well, I always was trying to exercise on a regular basis, but everything I did made something hurt. Uh, I just (laughs) didn't have really successful results. You know, I... I tried a lot of different things, a lot of different classes, but never really stuck with it. And I saw people working out in the pool, and I said, hmm, maybe I should give that a try. And I was very fortunate. I had really good trainers, and they would take me aside and give me uh, special exercises to do or help me with my leg that was in the brace. And I got that brace off in three months. Wow. Well, Donna, congratulations. Uh, people here were clapping quietly when they heard your story. Thank you so much for that call. Uh, actually, it brings up this question. I wonder if before people, and actually I'm going to ask this of Randy, before people start working out, if they're, I guess, kind of greatly overweight, should they lose that weight before they start doing a regular workout? I mean, I mean, should they use it, lose it by dieting before they work out, or you know, should they do it in conjunction with dieting? I think uh, obviously looking at caloric intake and how your diet actually is is very important, and working with you know your physician and a dietitian to work on that is absolutely important. But I do think the exercise aspect does go hand in hand. Um, but it is also important to hey, you know, this is what you see in runners, right? Runners don't day one run their 26.2 miles, right? Mm-hmm. You have to start start a little bit smaller. So um, even just walking, just some kind of form of movement is very key, especially when you're talking about um, weight loss or weight control. Um, you're actually starting to see it a lot more now in physicians where exercise is medicine. You know, that over the past decade, a lot of physicians are really trying to switch towards instead of prescribing stuff. And you see this in pain as well. Um, that exercise is very beneficial in pain control and in weight management. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, we got a, a an email from Dave in Summerlin, specifically for David Ziegler. He says, do you ever feel like you scare people or make them uncomfortable when you're at the gym? I do. 
I don't want to. Unfortunately, it's something I hear all the time, um, even from females and such. If it ever came up about like a romantic situation, I have women approach me and they say, you seem really nice and you're very sweet, but just the way you look scares me. And I hear it in the gym also. I've had people years later tell me that I was one of the reasons that they didn't want to continue the workout because they were looking over and seeing me train and I was intimidating. And they were thought like, they imagined a house of cards and my house was super huge and they had a deck that was nothing yet and it just kind of intimidated them. And that kind of hurt, hurt my feelings in a sense where I didn't mind personally, but it made me feel like we talked about earlier. How can I not have that projection? You know, how can the result of me being in the gym for 19 years motivate you as opposed to intimidate you, which is what I want? Yeah. And again, talk about how you do that personally, how you, how you try to alleviate those fears. The thing that I can do the most is try to have a bubble around me. I try not to make any noise vocally. I try not to drop weights. I try not to have an intimidating look on my face. I try to look at the ground, focus on myself completely. There is not a lot I can do in the gym. And the things that we do have control over, one of them is our glances. And I know how powerful a glance can be, so I try to keep them to absolutely, myself. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, people can't see you. We will have pictures on our website, but but you are massive. You know, but, but bodybuilding, which is what you do, has been described as both a sport and an art form. How do you see it? I 100% see it as a sport. I see it as art, but I see it mostly as a sport. I know people will argue with me because a lot of people see it as a pageant, which it is a pageant. The competition side is very much presented like a pageant. We put tremendous amount of effort into the physical appearance beyond just the muscles. I'm talking about makeup, making sure the skin is tanned, it looks nice, even the fingernails. Everything is a showcase of what we've been working on. It's that working on part that is extremely hard. The show, the competition itself is a snapshot of what the last year has been. And that year is me waking up at 4 a.m. for 90 minutes of cardio, getting my meals in for two hours, waiting to go to the gym, at the gym for two hours, half an hour of cardio, back to sleep so I can do it again the next day, day after day after day after day. And I say, this is what that result was. So how you interpret it, how you take it, how you enjoy it is all up to you. But that was extremely, extremely athletic. And what you see on the day of the show is me putting a bow on everything, conditioning everything, trying to make it look as pretty as it can be for you to look at it. But for the last year, I've been in darkness dying, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I actually have a kind of a question about that. How do you keep from becoming bored? That is one of the things that will end more careers than injury, than losing hope is essentially what happens. Getting up every day, going every day, and having in your head that I'm going to look a certain way if I can keep this consistency for a year, for three years, for six years. And, and, and I'm just going to make a point here. It's not just for pros like you. I, I'm talking about everyday pe people go to the gym, want to go. You know, when you start, you think, oh, I'm going to go five, five days a week. But you get bored with it. Absolutely, you I do. I mean, how do you, how do you not get bored? I don't know. I don't know because I can't speak for everybody and I can just speak for myself. For me, it keeps my head very structured. I have a problem with ADHD. I've been diagnosed since I was uh, seven years old. I don't like to take medications and I have a lot of problems with distraction. Um, if you speak to me, I'll speak to you for two hours. So I'd rather you didn't speak to me. So bodybuilding is something where I have 
a small task I need to do pretty much every hour or so, if it's food, if it's training, even if it's sleeping, there is something for me to anticipate and to look forward to. And that keeps my mind mm. clear and on a straight path. So for me, it's kind of a way I hold my whole life and my business together. Have a schedule. Have absolutely, ab absolutely what you're going to do. Uh, Jen Avison Smith, what about yourself? How do you keep from becoming bored? <clears throat> I mean, wh what you do is interesting, but doing as much as you do, I, I just wonder if sometimes you think, you know, what the heck am I doing here? No, I understand. And I mean, I do dance the most, do the most interesting things with some of the most beautiful people in the city. But um, I do find that, like, like David said, setting goals. And my goal is in the next couple of years to enter a competition, which you can do at large. I mean, it's sort of like a, you can do that as an adult, but by setting goals in the future and working backwards and having a clear idea of something you want to accomplish is a great way to stay motivated. And if you do get bored, there luckily we live in a place where there are so many different varieties of the same thing, we could change it up. Mm -hmm. No one said no one says you have to stick with the same form of fitness for the rest of your life. And I will probably do that for the rest of my life, but I could also go over here and try silks. I could go over here and do a lira class. I could do like Michelle said, tumbling sounds awesome, and I'm totally going to go look into that after we're done here today. Yeah. But by the way, what's a lira class? Lira is hoops. So you see a lot of like that. The hula hoop? Well, no, oh, not oh, a, oh, you mean no. <laughs> the ones that are hanging from spans, it's from the ceiling or wherever. I mean, it's um, it's a different form of sort of like circ art as well. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to go to the circus center and, and check that out. Absolutely. See what it looks like. Sarah from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, so I wanted to comment earlier. Um, there was a question about why women... Uh, feel uncomfortable working out in, in the gym in general. Mm -hmm. And at least my experience and some of my friends, uh, what it usually is for us, at, at least some of us, <laughs> is uh, not just feeling intimidated because of how much we can lift or anything like that, but also sometimes we feel uncomfortable with like people staring, uh, especially like if it's men that are like very buff looking or things like that. Sometimes you do have some, you know, maybe weirdos, <laughs> maybe not the population in general, but they can be staring and make women feel uncomfortable and unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that can make women feel like they don't want to work out in, in a gym in general. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to say I, during the pandemic, I started working out at home because my gym shut down because of the shutdown. Right. right. And um, I was feeling very low. I was going through like a really tough mental health episode. Right. And I, I was like, okay, I need to work out because I keep reading that working out helps with that. And although it took a while, it, um, it really did work. I really did start feeling better. And I have consistently been working out for like three years now and at home. And the great result from that is not just mental health, but I saved a bunch of money because I was paying upwards of $800 at a gym. And today at home, I spend $150 a year on an app that I use to work out. Yes. Yeah. That, that's really interesting. When you, were at, when you were at a gym and you felt that intimidation, what would you do? So uh, it, when I used to be a member of LBAC, what I would do is go to the women's only section. Uh, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. felt a little bit better there. Of course, there's there's also that element of intimidation of like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing with this machine. And all these women are like, oh, what is she doing? But 
it's much less than uh, being in the gym in general and feeling like, oh, maybe I'm unsafe or am I wearing too little clothes, which shouldn't really be something that I'm thinking about, but um, it just happens. Sure. A great call. Thank you so much, Sarah, for that call. Uh, Randy Harris, uh, during the pandemic, I worked at, out at home, too. I, I had an app. I think it was by that the guy who played Thor in, in the movies. It was that I quit after you know, when I started going back to the gym, but it was really helpful. I did get bored with it because I ended up doing the same stuff over and over because I didn't have weights at home. I was going to ask you this question. I, hopefully you expect it. Uh, name, name some of the exercises people can do at home where they don't need weights, but things that are, you know, you can do repetitively that are actually beneficial. Oh, there are countless exercises that you can do at home that you necessarily don't need weights for. Um, even just, you can get a good core workout without having to do much equipment, right? Any, any planks core series, like side planks, uh, regular forearm planks, you can then switch that to, um, you know, straight arm planks. So now you're getting more shoulder stability in there. Um, even like body weight squats are perfect. Um, body weight split squats, lunges, um, those are great without weights and, you don't even need to buy fancy weights. Like a gallon, a gallon of water, a gallon of milk has a weight to it. So if you're like, Hey, I need a little more resistance. You can just hold that. There's your weight. Um, even doing, throwing in like plyometric exercises are a great way to also increase the intensity and also create a good stimulus for, um, increasing strength and power. So okay. like split squat jumps, drop jumps, stuff like that. Hey, Randy, we're going to have, we're going to list some of those on our website, kmpr.org. Also look there for the wrestling arm wrestling match between me and David Ziegler. I want to thank David, Randy Harris, Michelle Hunt, and Jen Evison-Smith, and thanks to those who wrote or called in.